0: Joining us now, you know him as Dave Rose, former BYU basketball coach. I like to refer to him as Michael Myers, the guy from Halloween. And no matter how many times you try to kill Michael Myers, he <laughs> came back to life. That's my guy, Dave Rose. Yeah,
1: thanks, thanks PK. That makes me feel really
0: pancreatic good. Pancreatic cancer? Nah, no problem. I can remember, you know, I know people down there. We're going back now. How many years? That's 10 years ago. Yeah, that's amazing. 10 years. And I heard, oh, man, there's something wrong with Coach Rose. He's got cancer. Oh, yeah, man, that's like a pancreatic. Oh, no, pancreatic cancer. And I'm thinking, oh, gosh, man, he's going to be gone. Nah. Get out of my face. You just spit that out. No problem. Did you even miss a game? I know you missed some practices. Yeah, I
1: didn't miss a game. You
0: didn't miss a game. That's yeah. what I'm talking about for freaking 10 years, man. Yeah. You didn't miss one game, and you're on a plane. There's all sorts of panic. I don't need to relive that for you, but it's just amazing, your toughness. And then here, was a few months ago in the middle of the night, your wife is frantically rushing you to the hospital with a heart attack?
1: Yes, and that turned out pretty good, too, because they actually <laughs> put a couple stints in me, and I feel better now than I you know, have for the last couple of years. So yeah, uh, you look awesome. Uh, so uh, you, if, if
0: you saw you, I mean, I'm obviously I'm looking at you. You wouldn't <laughs> think that there's anything wrong or there's been nothing yeah. wrong. You look great. You look relaxed. You look tan. Yeah, I you look good. like somebody who doesn't have the stress
1: of coaching. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. Especially at this time of year. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I'm thinking, you know, what's it next? I mean, you're not a rose. You're 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 a, a feline. You, you got nine lives. I mean, well, what are you going to do? Like maybe go skydiving and have the parachute malfunction <laughs> and and, ride a bull. <laughs> <You know? laughs> just, just take that and yeah. just continue to defy these odds, man. You can write a book, "How to Beat Whatever" by Dave Rose.
1: <laughs> yeah, except how to beat UNLV and Gonzaga, St. No, Mary's. Yeah, but that—that's basketball. I'm talking <laughs> life. <laughs>
0: All right. So this is just a great time of year here as we get going. We were talking about it. Now uh, we had to. We had Chris Burgess on a couple weeks back. And I'm interviewing him, and he said that we asked the guys to give us six weeks of basically nothing else. And you know, you've been there a million times. Uh, is that is that what it requires this this time of year? I mean, we we preach balance and, and moderation in all things, particularly at BYU. But it just seems like between now and whenever it whenever it ends, it's nothing but that.
1: You know, it's it's just so it's so fragile because it's. Uh it happens. It just happens so quick. And, you know, if you've done it year after year after year, you you understand it. These kids coming through, you try to explain it to them. And Chris has so much experience because he's, you know, done it as a player. And, you know, obviously, Coach Pope, he's got a ton of experience. You know, they they won the national championship when he was at Kentucky. And so they, they know how special it is and they know how. Um how hard it is to do, and so they want everything from their guys and this group of guys they they understand it's in a it's an experienced team, and I think they'll realize how fortunate they are to be coaching such an experienced group uh in a year or two when maybe they're coaching more underclassmen but uh right now with that group of guys, uh I think this group is capable of playing for a couple of weekends,
0: yeah, it looks like it uh I would think that uh, you know Mark Pope has done a tremendous job, and is, no, to me he's a, uh, West Coast Conference Coach of the Year. Uh, but with that in mind, I'm thinking: Did uh, you just uh, what what you left him as far as uh, GIF? Did he did you just rise to the top of his list when it comes to Christmas cards? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, he he's actually make these guys look really good, and we and we, we did we left him some good players, but he's. He's made a team out of this group of guys. And uh, the addition of Jake Toulson is uh, just a tremendous addition. Um, and the way are the guys have accepted him and he, he's accepted them, uh, has been actually really fun to watch. And then, you know, Alex Barcelo, he, he has been exactly what they needed that one perimeter guy who can guard multiple positions as far as point guards, off guy, uh, guards, guard, you know, really um, high level scorers and have a real impact on the game. And then his toughness just kind of permeates through the group. And, um, and then Yoli, obviously, is better than ever. And TJ's had his best year. Um, and these, you know, Zach and Dalt and. Uh, those guys they've just uh they they've accepted their roles and uh I, I, I it's just it's fun to watch how consistent they've been over the years and they've done been through so many, you know, um you know challenges, health issues, suspensions, all kinds of different things and all they've done is just, you know, rise to the occasion and win games. And I think when you if someone right now would go back and look at the game in maui against kansas and watch the first half and really watch it i think teams will get pretty scared uh and you'll realize as a fan that this team could um they could play they could beat anybody they play because uh they they played Kansas tough, really tough the first half and that was without Yoli and so it's it's a dangerous team. It can hit shots and it guards well and can really rebound. So those are things that'll get get you advanced you in that tournament.
0: Yeah, we're talking to Steve Cleveland and obviously you know him extremely well and he was talking about uh, you know, T J Hawes really blossoming and it's fun to see this kid uh really get to where he needs to be as a player, as a senior. And he was saying, we thought one of the things that was imperative for him, speaking of Hawes, is to have somebody else to rely on. And you just brought up Barcelo and Hawes, and that's two perimeter players, or not Hawes, but Toulson. So you got Barcelo and Toulson there to take the pressure off of him. Uh, do you? I assume you see that uh, that the the load now is not on TJ halls the way it had been the last couple of years
1: especially the scoring load I mean his his uh, overall game you know uh, is a his, his, uh, you know just a his court game he, he, he needs to be really good at that every night and he I think he has been but uh, over the years but but he, he had such a, a scoring role put on him um, you know with just you know he and yo uh, every night you know, yeah. trying trying to be those guys, and when one of them was off, uh, you needed to have that third or fourth guy, and it was just hard for us to find that over his first three years. But you bring in a, you know, the conference player of the year out of the Western Athletic Conference, and uh, put him on your team, and he is one of the toughest covers, probably in in uh, you know in NCAA because he can he he can play down in the post. Uh, but what he really can do is is shoot the ball from the perimeter. And, and, you know, he had five threes in that game against Gonzaga, and those big guys just could not get out on him. And, uh, and, and then the other night, you know, at Pepperdine, uh, you know, in a gym that traditionally BYU doesn't shoot the ball very well in, they just threw that thing right into Yo, and Yo ends up with a career-high 38. So I think they've got a lot of different ways to beat you. I think that T.J., can have huge nights scoring. Most of those big nights that he had scoring this year have been when Yoli didn't play, and uh, and now that you know Yoli's back, uh, Tej is just he's a magician of being able to uh, distribute the ball and do what he needs to do to help this team win. They won nine straight, and uh, at this time of the year. Uh, when you win nine straight, you're going to be nationally ranked, and you're going to be, uh, you know, bidding for a pretty high seed in the NCAA tournament.
0: Yeah, 13 assists at two turnovers for Hawes. Well, that's just off the charts, man. It's a, it's
1: it's a and and then the the scoring night that he had against against Gonzaga. Yeah. Um, you know, in the Marriott Center on Senior Night, that was terrific. But his defensive effort, especially the first half. Um, you know, he took a couple charges. He got his hands on balls and just, uh, you know, deflected it. And he's a guy that is just playing with so much confidence that uh, it's fun to watch. It really is. It's really fun to watch.
0: So all those seniors, speaking of that Gonzaga game, I mean, every one of them was brought in the program by you, unless I'm forgetting or misremembering something. Uh, Even Toulson was brought in the program by you. We know he went over down the street there for a couple years, but you brought him up from the Phoenix area. I think he went down uh, down in the Gilbert area, yeah, Highland played, High played School.
1: It, yeah, played at yeah. Highland.
0: Uh, and uh, so you're were, you're were, you were responsible, and individually, you know, it's been cool to see you at the games because every game they show you sitting <laughs> there. You know, you and your wife are sitting there, and then they talk about you for a couple a uh, couple seconds there, and and individually though. To have those seniors acknowledge you on their own—I don't know that it was orchestrated. I don't know that anybody told them to do that. I mean, that's got to make it feel good.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, and, and there's a relationship with those guys that'll be uh, lifelong relationships because we went through a lot of really difficult things together. Um, and I think any coach will tell you that if you coach a player for one year, let alone recruit a player and coach him for two or three years, like uh, um, you know, like I did with uh, with. Three or four, the four or five of those guys, and uh, it's fun to watch. I mean, it's just fun to watch them uh, play with such passion, with such uh, you know urgency, and then to have the success that they're having is what makes uh, it really good for me. And and I, you know, I'm I'm really happy for the staff. I think Mark and uh, Chris and Cody and and Nick have done an unbelievable job uh w- w- making these guys these individual talented players a real team and you can see that uh in these really close games i mean the game at san diego when you know the all the pressure was building because it went right down to the wire It was a game that you know everybody you could only lose that game everybody knows that uh you're supposed to win it and they make a huge play late in the game and win it and and just the way that they they they, they really haven't had uh you know a, a really kind of an off night. I mean, the 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 loss at Boise State earlier in the year in overtime uh is a close loss and, and again people say, "Oh, how how would that ever happen?" The most disappointing loss of the season probably the Utah game. I mean, they led for 40 minutes. I mean, how do you lead for 41 minutes or whatever and then you yeah. in, in overtime you you take your, you know, you you, you get behind for the first time and then and then end up getting beat. But uh you know they 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 easily you know if, if they had yo the whole year i mean this could be a team that you're you're saying right now maybe 29 and two or or 30 and one even uh with uh that loss to kansas maybe the one team that actually put them away pretty good
0: yeah yeah absolutely a whole lot to get to if you have any thoughts that you want to pass along to coach rose uh hit me up on twitter uh I assume you're not on Twitter.
1: <laughs> not yet. I do. I do have. I have an Instagram account, which allows me to follow all my my players, the former players. I got a lot of guys playing overseas, and uh, I'm not a real big poster yet. I maybe uh, maybe I'll start doing that a little bit more. But uh, I've always kind of been a guy that. Wanted everybody to wonder what I was doing, not everybody <laughs> <laughs> knowing what I'm doing all the time. i got to change that, I guess.
0: We'll get to what you're going to be doing here this week. That's going to be interesting. And then in the next week, uh, Dave Rose is, uh, you know, sooner or later, they all come over to my side. It takes them a while to get there, <laughs> but they get there. We'll explain that next and a bunch of other stuff. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. All right, welcome back in, 97.5, 1280 The Zone, DJ and PK. DJ is off, so I'm taking his role, and I'm going to tell you about the Ford Fan Zone. Purchase a Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat ticket to an upcoming Utah Jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream starting as low as 37 bucks per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325 325- 29 325 2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat ticket now or tickets, because you can buy more than one. Joining me now is a guy that I've known, wow, for like 25 years. Whew, man, Dave. Coach Dave Rose, Sitting in uh, for the rest of the show, I used to call you when you were at Dixie, find out uh, what's hot in the junior college world. We were just reminiscing about back in the day when you were calling, uh, when you were coaching Dixie, about how you find scores <laughs> of, other, <laughs> of other games. Unbelievable. To see what the standings were, and you'd, you'd have to call on the bus or something to get some scores. You had and, to
1: stop at the truck stop and then call with a calling card to the other radio announcer in in uh, Price or, you know, in the Rexburg, uh, Twin Falls, to find out what their score was so that for the next 200 miles we could <laughs> <laughs> figure out the, the standings and what place we were in. <laughs> by the time we got back to St. George, <laughs> those were the days.
0: Yeah, I used to call you to find out. I'd, I'd call uh, Norm Parrish, coach at Salt Lake yep, Community. right. And so – to find out recruiting, because I was covering college basketball at that time for the newspaper, and to find out who who was hot in the recruiting world, there was a couple of high school coaches that I would get in touch with locally, and then I call you and uh, Norm Parish to see about the junior college guys, not only at your place, but guys that you uh, played against. We all you, had guys. That, yeah, that, yeah, exactly. That, that region yeah. eighteen at yeah. the
1: time um, was full of. Uh, division one players. Right, exactly. You know, and yeah. uh, it was before all these um prep schools started. Yeah, right, so yeah. so if kids had academic issues, they didn't really show up until their senior year and then they were what were considered non qualifiers and the way you fixed that was to go to junior college and right. graduate and then you became but you know, I mean you look at all the guys that played in the um you know in, in the WAC back then when Utah and BYU were in the WAC um, guys like Ma Jin, you know, who played at Utah, were yeah. at, uh, Utah Valley, and Stan Rose, and, you know, we had, uh, we had some, one year I had seven sophomores, and all seven of them signed Division one scholarships, you know, to, to play, so it was the league, Rick's, most of their guys, if they were really good, would sign, you know, with BYU, and all those kind of recruiting pawns all went away, you know, mm-hmm. for those guys, and uh and now that you find other ways you know to, this wasatch academy now over in in uh, mount pleasant has got you know a whole stable full of division one kids that uh, are playing at a prep school
0: yeah and then for recruiting purposes man you just got to go on twitter social media and you can find out everything you need to know there yeah, i used to have to call around spend hours of calling people to find out uh who were prospects and who you thought uh, was good and all that stuff and norm was uh i'd get information from him and as i say some high school coaches so a lot of people want to know what you're doing and you're leaving to vegas because vegas has built up uh, for college basketball in the next couple of weeks with a lot of tournament games tell our folks what you what you're going to be doing
1: well you know vegas has turned into you know the uh you know west coast capital of conference tournaments yes you know, it has. the, the mm-hmm. wcc tournaments there the uh WAC tournament, the uh, Mount West Conference tournament, the Pac-12 tournament, and uh, I'm actually going to start uh, do some color on radio for the Mount West Conference uh, tomorrow on some of the early round games, and then I'll do some TV for the WCC on Thursday and Friday, and uh, hopefully get started in uh, uh, you know a, a second career at a ripe old age of 62 here and <laughs> see if I can. Uh, uh stay close to the game I love the game The game's been so good to me it's it's uh it's fun and and i'm 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 uh i had a wonderful time this year just enjoying the game um you know as as a spectator but uh hopefully I can get back in the gym and and especially on game night and uh and, and do some t v or or radio color and um it'd be great for me and to you know to keep me going but i think it uh Also, in my 36 years of coaching, I think I got some insight to hopefully make it uh, fun for other people, too. Oh, yeah,
0: I'm sure you do. It would be interesting to see what your style is because I always thought that uh, you were a person who could relate well to other people. I always thought that if you and Steve Cleveland, I said this to you, if you could have coached somewhere in the Pac-12, I thought you guys would have killed it because you guys uh, just have – both the two of you have a way of connecting with people – and to get parents, I'm sure they would have trusted your kids, their kids with you. So you, you certainly have a, a conversational style that is warm and attracts people to you. In my conversations with you, as I said, I've known you for 25 years as far as that goes. Do you think your style, if we, if we have somebody out there, uh, you know, Hubie Brown is a real X's and O's guy.
1: What I want to be is I want to be Tony Romo. <laughs>
0: Tony Romo, seventeen million a the dude year. You signed a $17 million dollar contract. <laughs> yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. One hundred and ninety million over yeah. ten years. I yeah, I think football allows it. You know, with a little bit of a break there, it allows itself. Basketball. You know, you, it's pretty quick. Yeah, man. you only have yeah. ten seconds or some 30, yeah. 20 seconds if, if tops you, to make your uh, point.
1: If you're working with, with Locke, you don't have that much. You got zero <laughs>
0: seconds, man. You got to find a, a way to get in there. Uh, well, how do you how do you think you, you you be you be will you be Bill Walton who'll be telling us about the uh, national monuments or or Dick Vitale
1: screaming baby? What, what do you think? Well, <laughs> I'd, I'd like to take a little bit from all those guys. You know, I, I think that that Walton's. His preparation is unbelievable because what he knows about the players. I mean, when he would come in my office, and I mean, he'd come in with a a satchel that was from 30 years ago and he'd be pulling papers out of there and trying to find a pencil but but by the time he was done he had written down everything that he wanted to know about our players and who their parents were and where they grew up and what the dad did for a living and and he uses all that right you know in his commentator I don't think that I'll I'll be there but I, I do think that uh um, you know, bringing insight to the kids and to the the, the the student athletes, the players, I think would be fun angle for me. But I also think that uh, you know the game. I think everybody un- understands the game to a certain level, and what I'd like to make the game uh, just seem really uh, easy to follow. And and what coaches are trying to do, and what what players are are seeing, the frustrations the players have. Maybe those are things I always felt like. One of my real strengths um, as a coach was being able to manage a game and when kids are in foul trouble, when a kid can play with three fouls, when he can't. I mean, I think all those kind of nuances in the game will be fun for uh, the people to understand maybe what the coaches are thinking and going through. And uh, so somewhere in in a mix, I still haven't found the style of of Dick Vitale that maybe I'd take (laughs) from. Uh, He was a great interview, though. I mean when when he would come in our locker room and interview me before a game and want to know about our players, um, you know, he had specific things every time that he talked about it. and it was mostly the chemistry between our players. How's our point guard, you know, play with the two bigs on our team? Or when we had Jimmer, he wanted to know how do the other guys handle Jimmer having the ball in his hands so much and shooting so many shots. And I think that was really kind of the magic of that team is that he was, you know, in all sense and purposes, he was a ball hog. He had it all the time, but he was the most popular guy in the locker room, too. And that That's, ha- that's a hard combination to have, yeah. and that's one of the reasons why he was so special.
0: Well, you, you're going to start off with some Mountain West stuff, uh, particularly as it relates to Utah State. I would assume that some of these kids that you would know on a little bit of a personal level because you may have recruited them or at least scouted them along the way.
1: Yeah, saw so play a lot. Brock Miller, you know, saw Brock played hundreds of games. Yeah. <laughs> and Sam Merrill, Sam and uh – and um uh, uh Zach Selyas played on the same high school team and they also played on the same AAU team and so I saw those guys play a lot Sam Sam committed quick uh Stu got him done uh re- re- really early and uh he's had just a tremendous career I mean what a uh you know what a b- big loss to that program when he when he graduates but he he's got uh they've they played great as of late and I've uh, got a chance to to get into that tournament, they got to go down there and probably win a game, get to the finals, and probably need to play San Diego State in the finals uh, in order to get an at-large bid. Because if they're not playing San Diego State, then they probably have to win it. You know,
0: uh, San Diego State's going to get a San bid Diego either way. San State's
1: going to get in either way.
0: Yeah, and you don't you don't play San Diego State every year anymore like you used to but uh, any surprise as far as the level of play that they've had this year?
1: Well, I I saw that game uh, with BYU early in the year uh, in the Marriott Center, and BYU was up nine in the second half of that game. Without Yoli. Without Yoli. And what hurt them in that game is the same thing that hurt them in the Kansas game in Maui, size and athleticism. And... uh, uh, they kind of warm out late in the game. They had a hard time making shots late in the game. Uh, and San Diego, you know, got a lot of off- offensive rebounds and scored. And then the size of Kansas also and the speed of Dotson caused them some real problems. But uh, I-, I think, you know, you take you take those two games, they went right, you know, you know, the San Diego State game went right down to the wire, and the Kansas game was a good game for a half. So I, I think that uh, that bodes well for – for, for those guys I, I do think that San Diego State I think they play Nevada is, is who, who they play and that, that that could be a scary game uh, or they're in that, 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 that bracket to match up that way in the semifinals Right. and Steve Alford's team is really dangerous uh, team because they can really shoot it and if they get three or four of those guys rolling making shots you can beat San Diego State by outscoring them because they don't score a lot uh, and if you have one of those nights, you can, you know, maybe maybe get that done. It's amazing how long they went this year without losing.
0: Yeah, yeah, they, right they, down they, to the end, senior lose night to, actually. they
1: till last week. Yeah,
0: know? yeah. I have to think that the Mountain West, it's been pretty good. I mean, a couple. Of, you got uh, Vegas has been a little hot and cold. Wyoming has been atrocious. That's been a that's been a stunner. To that, as bad as they are, but you speak in Nevada. New Mexico's not bad I mean they're not great but they're they're not bad so my point is i I gotta believe they get at least two teams in
1: yeah I would think so the the uh, the, the best thing about that league are the venues you know sure, for i mean sure, I, yeah. I can talk about it now because it was it was hard when we everybody wanted to know what I thought when I went to the WCC and about the venues yeah and, yeah, yeah you know the venues aren't the, the cities are a lot better to visit. Yeah, the location, you know, locations, yeah. but the venues in the Mountain West Conference are tremendous. The pit and in in Albuquerque and Thomas and Mack and VAHoss and um, you know the, even even the arena A or whatever they call that. Auditorium uh, Arena. It, yeah, at, at uh, Wyoming. At Wyoming is uh, when it's when it's That's packed. It's a brown it, Huntsman Center. Yeah, when it's packed and rolling, it's it's. Uh, you know, it's a great uh, facilities. Um, you know, Air Force was always tough. Colorado State was more of a, a gym feel to it. But uh, I love the I love playing in those arenas because I mean, one of the funnest things in college basketball is winning on the road. Oh, for sure, it's yeah. the greatest. It's, yeah. it's the greatest feeling, and when you can do that, uh, and you know you got all those fans you know, coming there for one reason and you send them home disappointed. That's kind of fun.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I I think that particularly in conference games. Yep. uh, Because I've always felt, and Steve Cleveland drummed this into my head in the years that I covered him, which was uh, uh, actually I think it was all of his years that he was there, that uh, conference games, they take on a different meaning and their conference road wins are so hard to come by because they know down to guys who don't even get in the game, they know every strength and weakness about them. Could you address that as far as – because we saw Utah didn't win a conference road game.
1: Yeah, well, that's what's uh, – you know, that's what's so exciting about uh, uh, college basketball is is the fact that, uh, you know, they're the, – the, 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 there is a real advantage to the home team and you saw Wake Forest the other night beat Duke you yeah. scored 113 points on their home floor and it's a team that's you know not considered to be a tournament team at all not even close um but uh so you know you you know that that's a possibility one year with with Steve and I um we we had, we played 14 league games we went 7 and 0 at home yeah, and we yeah. went 0 and 7 on the road Yeah, I and Utah that. was ranked in the top uh, you know, maybe fifteen or ten or ten or fifteen in the country, and we beat them at home, but we lost you know lost them at their place, and so um, that's pretty hard to do. I mean, Larry's almost duplicated that this year. He's he's what is he six seven and one at home? I think he's only lost. Well, no, they just got beat by UCLA too. But for a while there, the only loss they had at home was Oregon.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and their their record almost like night and day. Yeah. As far as that goes,
1: but it's uh, a lot of that is just because of the preparation of the staffs. I mean, staffs, um, you know, they they know you not only from this year but from last year and tendencies that you have when you get in this situation over the last three or four years. I mean, they they know you so well. That's what's so much fun after you play that last conference tournament game and you get into the NCAA tournament, these guys, they don't know you near as well as, you know, the, uh, the teams that you just played 15, 16, 18, 20 games with.
0: You have been in the exact same position as Mark Pope, taking a team that has had phenomenal, a phenomenal season and a, just a great run, taking the team to Vegas, High expectations, going in the NCAA tournament, high expectations. So basically, everything that Mark Pope is experiencing, you've been through. And I want to talk to you coming up next as far as uh, being able to relate to what Coach Pope is going through now and what he's probably going to go through here in the next few weeks. And I'll explain what I mean next. Stay with us. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Welcome back in, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Tomorrow, Wednesday, we give away tickets. How about you listen this Wednesday for your chance to win tickets to the Goo 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 Dolls? Goo Goo Dolls are hitting the road this summer with special guests Lifehouse and Forrest Black and on the Miracle Pill Summer Tour. Don't miss your chance to experience it live on Tuesday, July 28th at USANA Amphitheater. Tickets are now on sale. Purchase your tickets at LiveNation.com and you can listen tomorrow for that opportunity. I'm going to have Tim Lacombe, one of your former assistants, and he of the uh, Impressions. Will be in,
1: and he probably knows the name of all the Goo Goo Dolls too. Yes, he's a big time. Uh, <laughs> he's a big musician, rocker. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and he's got a band going on. He's got a big birthday coming up in yeah. May. Yes, he does. That uh, I'm looking forward to. That's the voice of former BYU coach Dave Rose, uh, who's now. I, I, I got to imagine that uh, you know you feel some sense of pride for the Cougars because not only did you recruit everybody who's playing except for Barcelo. I don't know. Maybe you recruited him out of high school, but because uh, he's from the Phoenix area too. But everybody else, you literally brought into the program, and you brought Mark Pope into the program. What was he? Was he at Georgia?
1: Or he was at Wake Forest, Wake Forest at the time. He was a, he was a uh, D ops guy at Georgia for Mark Fox for uh, a year or two, and then he went over to uh, Wake Forest with Coach uh, Bezdelik, Jeff Bezdelik, who's now with the Rockets, but he was at Air Force for years. Uh, was the head coach of Wake? Yeah, awake. sure, sure, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and a little crusty uh, dude. Yeah, really, <laughs> really defensive guy. I think I think he does all the defense for for Houston. And most people say they don't play any defense, but uh, it is a, uh, a when 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 Jeff actually left uh, for ten twelve games last year, uh, the players went and recruited him back because they 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 said we need the guy or you know he's. He's the guy that's the the magician behind our defensive approach to what they do and uh so he actually came back and is is coaching with and you
0: uh, brought Pope in as a full time assistant correct
1: yep yeah we we uh uh I, I think it was dave rice um
0: oh he took dave dave's spot
1: dave left uh, to take the u n l v head job uh-huh. and then uh we had mark had mark for four years and he he took the the, the got the utah valley job. Uh, that's one of the things of, of of I mean, there's so many things that were good for me at BYU. I mean, I was there at a great time and got some really good players. But I actually had three assistant coaches that got head jobs from BYU, and that's that's hard to do because BYU's kind of in a little box. Uh, and you know, you usually to get your head job, you have to leave as an assistant and then earn your way somewhere. Uh, but the Dave Rice, Mark Pope, and Heath Schroyer all got all three got. Uh, Division one head jobs uh, from BYU, and I, I thought that was a, uh, a a real credit to those guys, and they were you know great assistants for me. That's for sure.
0: What's interesting is that sometimes they hire quote unquote BYU guys, but not always. I mean, I don't think Bronco Mendenhall was a BYU guy. He was a former assistant, but you know he wasn't a BYU guy, and Steve Cleveland wasn't a BYU guy. And sure enough, both those guys leave. Now, you weren't a BYU guy yourself. Everybody knows you played at the University of Utah, or uh, Houston, I mean, with um, Olajuwon and Drexler in that game with Thurl. I mean, that's legendary. Everybody understands that. And you chose to stay and retire at the job. And you had opportunities to leave. I mean, they were... I don't know if folks know, but, you know, I certainly knew that you were offered other jobs. There's no doubt about it multiple times. And you evaluated the situations and uh, you obviously you turned them down and you stayed your coaching career and finished it up there. I don't know. Maybe you'll get back into it. But for now, anyway, you're uh, you retired at BYU. Mark Pope is not a BYU guy. And really, nobody on his staff is as a BYU guy. But they all,
1: they all turned BYU down. Yeah, it's funny. That's the funny thing. Because I, yeah. I recruited Nick Robinson, and he ended up at Stanford. He was from Missouri. I recruited Chris Burgess. You know, we just barely got there. You know, and he had already. Already signed, so I didn't really recruit him. But I, I, I talked to his dad a lot about the process to try to gather information about how BYU had recruited sure, him. Sure, Ken, yeah, and then.
0: Uh, well, when he, he transferred, he didn't transfer to BYU. Yeah,
1: and then Mark, um, you know, he, uh, he he had Tony Engel had expressed interest in him, but Mark had no interest in BYU at the time. At least that's the way he explained it to me. And I used to always tell Mark, I said, "Hey, if you were coming out of Washington, out of S- Seattle, now." With uh, with our staff and what we've done, we'd, we'd have got you to come to b <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, we, we got him uh, uh, to come be an assistant coach, and now he's the head coach. And I, I'm sure, you know, with this nice run that he's put together, it won't be long until he'll be faced with that same situation. You know, what am I going to do? You know, am I going to uh, stay or am I going to, you know, take off and – Try it somewhere else. I know he would probably take the University of Kentucky job as alma mater if if that came up. But uh, uh, I think that that's Calipari's job for life. You know. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So that's, he's still that's, in his fifties,
1: isn't he? So that's probably not going to come up for a while. But
0: so with that in mind, uh, you know, you face that situation. If he were to come to you and say, "Hey, you know, fill in the school blank, whatever, whatever schools out there, who knows?" But uh, I got a good thing here. But, you know, this opportunity here no honor code, more money, uh, maybe a higher profile conference, although that's why I think it's really cool to see San Jose State and Dayton and these Big East teams that are really good. They're not in these football conferences uh, and they're doing really well. And uh, Gonzaga, Mark Few has just built a national power and international power when you talk about all the foreign guys that he's been able to get. So certainly you can win at a higher level, at a very high level anyway. But you got this, and you've been in that same boat. What are you telling him?
1: Well, you know he, he's uh, he's early in his BYU career, and so I think that's that'll play uh, a little bit into it um, as far as the fact that that he's got. Guys that are committed, that are coming, that you know, he probably really wants to coach. Uh, for me, you know, that was probably uh, the 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 biggest reason why you know I stayed was BYU was so good to me. Obviously, it's such a unique place, but the connection that I had with that group of players at the time, uh, and I had guys on missions, you know, that had committed to me that were going to come and to play the year, and all these, you know, different things, and and uh, so, you know, Mark, he'll have to weigh all that. You know, I, I'm sure none of that is in his mind right now. In his mind right now is trying to figure out how he's going to manage, you know, 10 or 11 days without playing a game and then play the biggest game of his, you know, life uh, next Monday. But uh, it'll happen. And, and when it does, um, you know, your gut kind of tells you what to do. And hopefully your gut's right.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you. I assume for you, you're you
1: were content. It worked out great. Worked yeah. out great for me. And I, you know, I, I had a lot of other things on my plate. And when when the opportunities came up, one of the things I was battling cancer, and I had my all my doctors right here at Huntsman who were just terrific for me, and have been terrific, and have will still continue to be terrific. And you know, I, I thought about that six month MRI if I was, you know, trying to fly from somewhere in the midwest or back east and uh try to manage all that and still coach the team so the, I mean there's a lot of things for me that uh uh jumped in but uh my relationship with those players is what uh I think eventually uh really you know kept me here
0: one of the things that bugs me about BYU is that... Just one? I know. I said one of <laughs> okay, the things. Oh, okay, one of the things. <laughs> it's less as I get older, and I'm not dealing with it day to day like I did when I was at the newspaper. But is they, they almost take to the point of bragging that we're not going to pay our guys top dollar. And, you know, I get it. They're not going to get in this big arms race. And the Pac-12 is not getting in an arms race relative to its coaches getting other jobs. We see Tucker leave for Michigan State, basically doubling his salary. We see Leach leave. We've seen a number of assistant coaches uh, who've taken coordinator jobs in the SEC or ACC or whatever it might be, and they're going to get pay raises. So the Pac-12 has come out and said that, uh, that you know we're looking for a comprehensive athletic program, not just dumping all of our money into this. I think it's a little bit... Uh, hypocritical because then they're paying guys like uh Graham down at Arizona State McIntyre at Colorado they're paying them 10 million dollars buyout yeah. to not coach <laughs> so I mean that's just you know life-changing money to to, to do that type of stuff uh, so and they're only doing that for the sake of winning to pay these outrageous buyouts so a little bit of talking out of both sides of their mouths but the point is for BYU now going forward here with this money just being astronomical Uh, in football and men's basketball, what do you do in that situation? How do you just turn down that kind of dough? Or can BYU maybe not match it but get it ballpark so your quality of life and your lifestyle and everything is similar even though at place B you may be making a little bit more, but you still are making some huge change here to where,
1: it, it, you know, you don't have any problem turning that down. Well, I, I think the the main thing, Pat, is that if you, if you, if your decision is going to be based solely on money, you'll probably leave. Because, um, you know, the, the money's going to be better somewhere else. And, and, and which doesn't really make a lot of sense when you, when, when you realize that BYU is owned by the church and the church has got a, 100 billion dollars somewhere. I mean, they could actually pay the guy. If right, they, right. If, if that was their main, you know, objective, but uh I think that they want they want the guy to be there because he really wants to be there and they they they're, they're, they're going to pay him and you know, take good care of him. But it's it's it, it, you can always uh if you have the opportunity and there is an offer, there's always probably going to be more money somewhere else.
0: Right, and so you don't make it solely on that, but if it's a you know other stuff, these these coaches that went to Virginia, a slew of assistants, I'm getting double. and it's not say 1.5 million to two million. you know you're 1.5, you're, you're making it, it is 90,000 to 250,000. I mean, that's literally. What it was, or one hundred and fifty thousand to three hundred and fifty thousand because they told me that's what it was. So I mean, I've got numbers based on so it's not just you as the head coach in the football, you need all that, but also too the the re, relying on speaking to the guys after they left from Virginia and you know I developed relationships with them they're talking about the other stuff it's not just the bottom dollar bottom line dollar figure it is the recruiting budgets and some other stuff Uh, from your expect, from your not expectation but from your insight from your knowledge how much has BYU risen that other stuff because you need that other stuff to be able to succeed at the level that everybody not only wants but everybody demands you succeed at that level
1: yeah and I think that uh from my experience there uh for 22 years in the basketball program uh I always felt as an assistant coach when I was the associate head coach and when I was the head coach I always felt like um you know the budget was not an issue in recruiting in traveling in you know how we how we uh you know took care of our players as as far as you know per diem and all those things I always felt like we were on par or, or close to on par with, you know, anything the NCAA would allow you to do. Um, and but w- but when you're talking about, um, you know, coaches' salaries, uh, I I think you you're always going to be in a position where there's probably somewhere else that's going to pay a little bit more. I I remember when the NCAA um, you know changed the rule and 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 you got to get um, your scholarship plus the cost of attendance. And our cost of attendance came back as one of the top five in the West Coast because of how the formula worked, and that went straight to the student-athletes. And and so I always felt, you know, really comfortable about – you know, going into people's homes and recruiting the kids and telling them that, hey, we'll take care of, you know, your kids as as well as anybody can, you know, possibly do with under under you know under the rules. So, um, I mean, they're in it to win it. They're they're in it to play, you know, uh, at, at at a high level. But uh, I I always believe that, um, you know, that if if it's if if it's Money is going to be the coach's number one concern that he'll probably leave.
0: Yeah, I always felt that you know the administration, Brian Santiago and Tom Homo, they're in it to win it. Yeah, and Those absolutely. guys, you know, I have no doubt that the but athletic the, the, administration the, the, is competitive as anybody else's.
1: The fight that they that they put on on, on a daily basis to get what we need right. is tremendous. It's, right. it's just uh, uh, it's second to none. And and they, you know there's times when they're told no and. All right, we won't discuss this anymore, and so let's fight another battle. And when that happens, that's what they'll tell us, and then we'll move on. But um, m- most of those things don't concern money. Most of those yeah. concern uh, principle and other stuff, tradition, you yeah. Know, and so
0: the bottom line, and this is very important for whoever. Is that you feel that BYU will do what it can do and what it needs to do to field a competitive program?
1: Absolutely, and then they will continue to do it. And right now, with the excitement being at the level that it is, especially in the basketball program, uh, it'll be tough to it'll be tough to you know to take off. And uh, but hey, you know. The most important thing right now is to try and win that game on Monday.
0: Right, and we'll get to that next. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. All right, welcome back in. DJ and PK. DJ is off. He's in D.C. As I understand it, he's on a exploratory committee to see if he can convince Hillary Clinton to run again. <laughs> that's my story. That's your story. <laughs> he's going to be really upset when he gets back, FYI. <laughs> see, though, and that's the voice of Dave Rose there in Jay Catch. Uh, you know if you say enough crazy things you get away with a license to say more crazy things and people know well he's just crazy yeah so like you know if dj were to say pk's back in wherever doing something.
1: They would take him seriously. It's just like teams that foul. Yeah. If they fouled when they guard defensively over and over and over by the end of the game, they're not fouls because you can't call every <laughs> single foul.
0: Exactly. It's the same thing. Same and I principle. foul
1: constantly. That's right. <laughs> <the> same principle. <laughs> by the end of the night, it's not a foul. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I get away with saying stuff that others can't. The same, same type of thing. So you're talking about for BYU... You know, the, the, obviously the focus, and this is this is funky because they're going to play like one game in two weeks, right down in the end of February and March, and that's not the normal schedule. You know, it's just unusual uh, as far as that goes, because they don't play again until Monday. And they had a bye last week, right? That's what so I'm they only saying. Play yeah. one game, yeah,
1: like one so game you, in two weeks. What do you do? Like twenty games, twenty yeah. days, and only play one game. What, what are you
0: doing games? that way? How do you yeah. handle that? Well, yeah, I
1: think every coach is different. I know what well Mark's going to do because Mark is, uh, uh, you know, he, he's preached this since the day he got there. And those guys will practice every day and they'll practice hard and they'll go after each other. And uh, they'll be really ready to play somebody else by the time they get to Monday. And uh, and I think that the players understand that. I think the players have kind of really bought into that. And, uh, you know, they're excited to get rolling. And, and But they'll be happy when this week's over, that's for sure, though. You think
0: uh I think anyway, um get your thought on it, that the West Coast is a three bid league?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I really do. I think that uh um you know Saint Marys is gonna have to win their Saturday game and get to the semifinals. Um but uh you know, a a really competitive Saint Marys BYU game and if Gonzaga I mean, Gonzaga's gotta get to the to the finals and and I think probably specific if, if uh yeah the specific is 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 you know the team that's going to get the, the two game by. but as we found out last year so that two game bye if you if 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 you hit a team when we got a real senior you know laden team that we beat twice in San Diego last year and they had played in that arena they played two games you think they'd be tired but uh my goodness they got off to a great start we couldn't make a basket and that thing got away from us really quick and uh you know you, then you start thinking my gosh was it really an advantage not right. not to be playing because you don't get you don't get any practice time in that arena because the the, the tournament is with the women's tournament and it's yeah, yeah. just you know it's just booked you know uh you know hour after hour with with games and so you don't have any shoot around times and then you know the Sunday the Sunday deal uh will be tough for them because that's the day that they're going to have time to go in and practice and uh, they probably won't so,
0: uh, handicap it for us. Uh, the way I look at Gonzaga is strong up front, which they always seem to be, maybe not quite as good in the backcourt.
1: Yeah, I I don't think, I mean, and you think, the, you know, the, to try to compare their front line with, you know, Hachimura and Brandon Clark and, you know, Two Ronnie, Ronnie Turioff and, I mean, the guys that they've had for yeah. years and years uh and the and these two guys are different three guys are different but they can really score and that's what sets them apart is they got post guys who can really score and that's what BYU has BYU's got a post guy who can really score and uh you know it it comes down to the guards and in that last game BYU's guards really outplayed the the Zags uh right no question you know TJ and and, and Jake Toulson I mean they had tremendous uh, shooting games, you know, mm-hmm. as far as their floor game was concerned. Um, but but the, the size of Gonzaga's guards could cause, you know, BYU some problems if, uh, if they're not really making shots. Um, I think Gonzaga, this will sound really crazy, but I think Gonzaga will be an easier game to play for BYU because it's up and down and back and forth, and Gonzaga plays like BYU likes to play the St. Mary's game is going to be tougher because they're going to just crank that thing down and really limit the possessions, um, especially after playing a game on a Saturday. Uh, they, they're not going to want to run up and down that court you know, 115 times, 120 times as far as possessions are concerned. So I think they'll really slow it down, and, and that, that just makes you know your execution that much more important.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you know if Mark Pope and his staff – has developed the same animosity that everybody else has for Randy Bennett?
1: You know what? That, <laughs> that's an interesting question coming from a, a media guy. <laughs> you think all the coaches hate the one guy? You know? People tell me stuff. What can I tell you? <laughs> there you are know, rumors out there. I've been around. I will tell you this. Rand, Rand, Randy has been as 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 good to me uh, as any coach in the business, uh, I was, wasn't even in the league when, you know, I was diagnosed with cancer, and he he sent me immediately a a text and and text me, you know, about every four or five months, you know, for the rest of my life. I mean, I still get texts from him asking me how I'm doing. When he was in town, when they played, he he sent me a text. Uh, but when Randy's in in uh, and i've heard all the rumors about you know the crusty attitude that he has and when he gets in uh in coaches meetings in the off season oh my gosh he's got the whole room you know that's after him so uh, <laughs> he, he definitely has saint mary's view of everything uh as his number one priority and he doesn't really care about the rest of the schools that's for sure he makes it his own
0: where do you see You know Gonzaga has gone to the top. They've been to the Final Four. Uh, Do you? Where do? How far do you see them potentially going this year? The same.
1: Yeah, it's it's probably it's it comes down and coach would say this all the time, but when when you've been through it and done it and you've been knocked out the first round and then you've had a nice little run in it, you realize that matchups are so important in that thing, you know. And the seeds important, but the matchup is probably even more sure. important, yeah. you know. And um, you know, there's the, the the one team that caused them problems this year uh, besides BYU is. Uh, was the Michigan team on a neutral court and that was the third night uh, of a tournament. They didn't shoot the ball very well at all. Michigan had a great, you know, shooting night um, and they had size and they had athleticism in that game too. But I I think that they could make another run. But I also think that if the matchups are right for BYU, that they have enough guys who have been there. I mean, they don't have to have one guy play great in in order to get by this game or that game in, in uh, they've got a group of, of, of players that if a, a coach comes through with a game plan and takes this part of it away you know you got two guys coming off the bench if Dalt gets back in, in Dalt and Zach who've all started games Connor Harding started games for us last year uh, you, you got experienced guys who have a variety of, of game of, of, of different types of styles of game um, that could carry, carry you through a game and, and get your pass to the next round and so uh I'm, I'm excited to watch it. A lot of it will, will be determined by, um, you know, this conference tournament because if they beat St. Mary's and then beat Gonzaga, they're probably going to be a 5, maybe a 4. Uh, if they get beat on the Monday, they could maybe be a 7, and then they get seated 8th because it doesn't fit right, you know, and then you're in a terrible spot, you know. So, right, right, right. And that happened to us. Yes, you know, I was going it, to say. But it, the Sunday play causes the NCAA – Terrible issues. The one year, we went to Spokane and they put us in the wrong pod, and we had to switch it. If we'd have won the first round game, we'd have had to take in somebody else's place because the next game was Friday. The next bracket was Friday Sunday, and we couldn't be put in that situation.
0: When you were an assistant?
1: No, that's when I. When, were you a uh, head coach? No, I was the head coach. Yeah, yeah, it was it was, it, yeah. I was the head coach. Because yeah. I can remember
0: two years. That I thought BYU was woefully underseeded. Yeah, and I wasn't. I don't remember if you or Steve. Yeah, was Yeah, the, the, the one year was, I know it was in Spokane. Was, yeah, I remember being up there.
1: Yeah, so it it's uh, and you know it's funny because we went we went eight out of nine years, and then with Steve we went three years. We went, we went in twenty two years. I was at BYU. We went eleven times. And we took that thing when it was one and 25, and to think that you know in 22 t- two years, I'd have never thought that I'd stay there for 22 years. But to you know make it to the NCAA tournament 11 times when we walked into a um, you know pretty big challenge. Uh, sometimes I think, how in the world did that happen?
0: All right, coming up in the last hour, I want to hit some more in depth uh, BYU, and then also want to touch on Utah and get your thoughts on 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 that program and where it is and what needs to happen. So stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Welcome back in, 9 o'clock hour. Thanks for joining us, DJ and PK. DJ's off. Former BYU coach Dave Rose is sitting in. We are just reminiscing about some times in the Mountain West, and one of the things I would do, you know, I covered the league for so many years and back into the whack, that I got to know the opposing coaches, and I got to know their spouses. I at least know them by sight. And I used to watch them, and your wife was in it too. I mean, they would live and die. And, yeah. I, and, and, and they couldn't do anything about it. And if they're winning, they're beaming, and if they're losing, their face is so long. I mean, the pressure on the wives sometimes
1: is greater than the guys who are in the middle of the action. Yeah, and it's, it's – <laughs> uh, I mean, we, I take a trip every year for the last 10 years, Cheryl and I, with uh, other coaches – um with the, with Nike and we've we've gone all different places and and it's amazing to sit and get to know th- other coaches and their wives and to listen to their you know their lives and it's one thing where we're really pretty healthy we we other people realize that there's other you know families that are going ex- through the same yeah, thing yeah, you know exactly. and it's happening the same way in their situation and you know all the different uh you know uh j- just you know traditions that they have and you know all, all all the but the the one thing that's pretty common is that uh it's uh it's it's pretty tough on everybody when you get beat and yeah. it doesn't go away until you win again, that's right, for sure. Exactly. You
0: know? As far as this BYU basketball team, I, I wanna ask you just straight up, did you think Yoli was gonna be this good?
1: You know, I I, I when when Yoli decided to come back, um you know, after he had made a a real commitment, you know, to to kind of, you know, test the waters with the NBA. And one of those things – one of the things that's really difficult about that is once once you decide that you're going to leave – I mean – the the NBA teams won't really mess. They don't want to spend much time with you if you tell them, "Oh, I'm just testing the water." If they're just testing the water, most of them are going to tell you to go back. Just go back and mm-hmm. and play. They want to know if you're all the way in. Then hey, we'll you know do our due due diligence yeah. and we'll bring you in and see what's going on. But when 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 he found out you know that it wasn't going to work the way he wanted it to work and wanted to you know wanted to come back, I really felt like he could be the most dominant player in the league. Uh, just because of the experience that he had, and how he had progressed from his freshman year to his sophomore year, and his sophomore year to his junior year, and he's actually proven that. I mean, he—I I think he is um, the most versatile, most dominant, you know, low post scorer um, in the league. And uh, I think they'll probably come out with those awards today. You know, that—that's that, another thing that is kind of interesting at this period of time when you're not playing games and you're waiting is. You know these these kids are all going to get either awarded or snubbed. You know yeah, from yeah, the yeah. award. You know, and as a coach, you kind of you know have to play. Uh, you know the you got to play to every individual situation. And if a kid should have been an all league player and he's not an all league player, then you got to make sure he knows what you think about him and vice versa. But um, I, I think that uh, the 38 point performance the other night at uh, at Pepperdine, you know, the, the games that we won in Pepperdine, we were beat there a few times, but the games we won, we we always had a low post player. I remember Brandon Davies had a huge game in there for us. Eric Mika had a huge game uh in there for us. We traditionally don't shoot the ball very well in there and uh and Yoli Bear, you know, they he did a tremendous job the other night to get a big win for him.
0: And then Jake Toulson, I think obviously has been a real difference maker. Uh, The thing that surprised me, you know, I saw him as a freshman, and then I'm not watching UVU that much. And I knew he was a shooter. You look at the stats, and he's shooting 46%, whatever it was, from three. So he comes in to do that, and that's not a big surprise. But I've been impressed with his ability to go down low and get some buckets and use his body, use his size to his advantage. It just seems like where he was a few years back to where he is now, his mental toughness has just improved tremendously
1: it 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 really is he wants the big shot he wants the moment and uh and a lot of it is you know is because he's been so successful in the moment uh in the last you know 2 or 3 years and with the 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 thing that i i thought when they they brought jake in i thought it would really really help balance the team uh, but I just didn't know how it would fit, you know, because I know, you know Jake's personality, and he, he, he really he wants the ball in his hands. He wants the ball in his hands a lot. And, um, you know, how would the other guys deal with that? But Mark's done a great job of managing that, and I think with a lot of the, uh, you know, the, as far as them being consistent in winning games, they haven't had consistent lineups. And uh, TJ and Jake, I think, have been the two that have really adjusted really well to when Yoli's in and Yoli's out. And uh, now that they're in and and healthy and together, um, you know, the the three of them, I think, really uh, have got this relationship where they're so happy the other two are on the floor. Yeah. And that's the magic of of the deal. You get three guys, and the other two guys are really happy about that third guy. That's a that's a good way to play. You
0: think they have to be seniors at that point because they got that maturity?
1: I, I think that upperclassmen uh, feel that way. Um, when I was in junior college, uh, I used to love sophomores, and and every every junior college coach will tell you that you know the beauty of sophomores is that. You know, they just want to win. Freshmen want to be all league, and right, freshmen right. want to, be, you know, be the leading scorer. And sophomores, they just want to win, and because they understand how important that is to get what they want, which right. is the scholarship at yeah. the next level. And uh, I think that's the same thing with seniors at this level. That when you get to that point, all the other things that you came in there with, that you wanted to be this, or you wanted this to happen to you, or this for this. You know, all your posse, your people, still have all those thoughts, but you personally, you just want to win. Did
0: you think that, or what did you think was in store for Jake Toulson when he left BYU?
1: Well, when he went when he went to Utah Valley, I thought he he, he was thinking about going back to uh, to Phoenix and play at Grand Canyon too. And um, you know, I I, I I I thought that he would uh, you know end up being a good division one player i didn't think he would be you know the whack player of the year uh and could easily be the wcc player of the year this year the impact that he's had on that team um but uh you know that's the beauty of this business is that it's an art it's not a science and we recruit guys all the time when i recruited jake to byu i really felt like he would be an all-league first team guy uh and then you know the the start to that to his career there just didn't go like he wanted it to and and you know between his patience level and 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 my ability to get the most out of him it just didn't really work and so he decided to leave and uh, I don't know if I've ever seen a kid in any other situation transfer from a school and then transfer back to the school I mean that'd be interesting to go and study that but you know it, it might become way more of a um, you know of a common thing now that he's been so successful at it that's for sure
0: yeah and you talk about these kids and how they want to be all league and this and that and then when they get to be seniors it's about winning and you speak of that posse at at, at this level how much does the parental or whatever the posse is encompasses whether it's parental or friends or combination thereof does a the coach have to deal with
1: Well, at at BYU, the posse usually changes, you know, because you got the parents and grandparents, you know, family. But then sometime halfway through, they get married. And so then it's basically there's a new family, and that's the wife. And, uh, you know, my wife was so good with, uh, you know, the players' wives over the years. She was a player's wife because we were married when I was at the University of Houston playing. And so I think that uh, she had a real insight on – you know what you go through—the ups and downs of the year—and when your, you know, husband's a starter, and then you know he's not a starter anymore—and the feelings that the wife has towards the coach. I mean, she she'd experienced that herself, and so she knew all about it, and uh, I think she related really well with them. And um, as far as the head coach is concerned, I don't think there's a a whole lot that you go through, but uh, you do you do spend a lot a lot of time. Uh, you know, with the players one-on-one, you know, trying to make sure that everything around them is working so that they can get on the court and make it work. Because that's got to be somewhat of a a
0: difficult situation uh, as far as putting together a puzzle. Because I think one of the things that I don't think has gotten enough due this year is Hawes, I don't want to say acquiescing, but maybe sacrificing some – offensive numbers for the sake of winning and it seems like it's been seamless for him and if he needs to shoot he'll shoot but if it's setting up Yoli or letting Jake get down low or Barcelo on the wing or the other two whatever those other three guys and Harding and Celius and Nixon it just seems like everybody is getting apart. Even go back to you spoke about Jimmer, how it was unusual the ball hog, but yet he was the most popular guy in the uh, gym. Uh, if you look at, there was a hundred percent of publicity being given to your team. He got ninety eight percent of it. Yep. You know, locally and then nationally, he's all over the place. He's on PTI and all these things, but yet there didn't, as you're saying, there's no. Very little resentment, and it seems like a delicate situation. And it seems like this team this year has handled that in terms of the way it needed to be handled for the sake of winning, rather than of individual acclaim.
1: And I think a lot of that has come obviously from their staff. I think that, uh, like I said, Mark's done a tremendous job with uh, with Chris and and uh, Nick and C- and Cody. Those guys, the time that they've spent with those. Uh, players and getting them to buy into to you know uh, what's happening right now, but I, I do think that y- you're taking a group of guys that are in a perfect spot when you got Zach and Dalt and Yoli and uh, and TJ who have come to BYU with huge expectations and huge. Uh, plans of their own. And three years later, none of them had been to the NCAA tournament. I mean, Dalton Dalton is the only one, I think, that went before his mission. And so they got one thing in mind, and we're not going to leave here without getting that. And Mark's really played, you know, has has used that um, to his advantage. And those guys have really bought into it. Because that's isn't that
0: a hard thing to accomplish? Because you don't read that in a book. You don't read. You don't go to a coaching clinic and
1: learn that. No, that's something that I think Mark really benefited from the fact that he knew all these guys because he had been th- at BYU. Yeah. Okay. And so he he had a connection to uh, to all of them. He recruited Yoli really hard when he was at Utah Valley, and so he knew Yo and obviously knew Dalton uh, um, uh, and Zach, and, and so uh, you know th- those are that was an advantage that he had coming in that he could kind of get into their, uh, you know, their space and say, Hey, listen, th- th- this is what's happened and this is what needs to happen in order to make this work. And uh,
0: so far so good. Yeah. No question about that. And that's why I think he should be runaway coach of the year.
1: Cause we understand all the, all the ins and outs of what's been going on. When you look at the league overall, I think Damon Stoudemire is going to have a really good chance of becoming because they were picked to finish whatever, and, yeah. and now they finish this. And BYU was picked to finish second, and they're going to finish second. you uh-huh. know. And so uh, when it comes down, those votes are probably all – well, they are all in because they came in on Sunday, and they'll, they'll probably be announced today or tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I would not be surprised at all uh, if Mark Pope was, was the coach of the year or – if Mark Few was the coach of the year cuz they won the league and sometimes the coach will just whoever wins the league they'll put and look what Few did look what he replaced you know i mean Brandon Clark leaves and you know Hachimura leaves and those guys both leave early and uh you know he punches in a couple other guys and he's number you know the number 1 team in the country for 6 weeks or whatever it was i mean and we just get used to that like oh well that's what he does all the time you know but when you when you actually Think about the, the 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 job and who you're going to ca- cast your vote for. There might be co-coach of the year. Uh, maybe the thing got split in half. We'll see.
0: Yeah, Gonzaga, the consistency of the program. What has he been there? 22 years.
1: It's unbelievable.
0: And every year he's, he's gone? been there. T-
1: yeah, as, as the head coach, but he's been there like 29 years. I'll yeah. tell you. Funny, son I think I might have said this before, but like when we uh, when when we recruited Jesse Wade. Uh, and, you know, he left Gonzaga and, and was back out on the market and was going to go somewhere, and we brought him in. And so I sat down with him, and I just asked him about his Gonzaga experience and, you know, what had happened and what are some of the reasons he's interested in being here at BYU. And he says, well, you know, Coach, I was the only married player at Gonzaga, and I think it would be nice for my wife to, you know, be on a team where there was a couple of married players. And I, I said, well, wasn't there anybody else that was married up at Gonzaga? And he says... Well, no, the, the, like the second week I was there, I, I, I was supposed to be at a team deal and it was a Sunday and I was with my wife. We were, went somewhere and and so he called, called me in his office and he, he said, all right, Jesse, you need to understand. I mean, and Jesse goes, what are you talking about? Well, we have to decide how this is going to work right now. What team are you on? Are you on your wife's team or are you on Gonzaga's team? And he goes, well, I, I just thought that that it was, you know, a Sunday and and We could, you know, and 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 Jesse goes. Well, what do you do with your other players that are married in the past? Um, I've never had a player that's been married <laughs> in 29 years. Again, he never had a one Not player was huh? married. One year we had seven. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a little different. The
0: BYU way: <laughs> get married. Opens up a lot of opportunities and prevents a few problems, if you get my drift. All right, speaking of problems, I want to get your thought on Utah, what needs to happen up there, and what has happened, because I don't think it's unique to Utah, but nevertheless, it is something that has been an issue. So stay with us, 97.5, 1280 the zone. Okay, thanks for listening to us today. Finishing up the last half hour of the show, former BYU coach Dave Rose joining me, DJ's off. He'll be back on Thursday. Uh, Tim Lacombe, who does our jazz pre half and post. Uh, and does a nasty Rick Majerus impression, among others. He'll be sitting in tomorrow. Your former assistant, you two are you two are joined at the hip, man. Yeah,
1: Tim's a, a great, great <laughs> guy, but even better friend.
0: Yeah, and he he thinks the same of you. He's spoken highly of you. Uh, Utah situation, we know what they did, and it's somewhat of a curse because you you see that in places. You know, UNLV's had to deal with it for years. UCLA's had to deal with it when they had such enormous success, and you don't match that success. The people who were there then and who are there now, like, okay, what you know, what's going on here? And we know that Larry, Larry faced the same situation you guys faced. What were you in '97 when he took over this job? Uh, it was at the bottom, and both programs, Larry and his staff, and Steve Cleveland and you did phenomenal jobs building that thing in a relatively short amount of time and getting them in the NCA's pretty quick from where you were because you guys were awful. And now he's slumping again, and, you know, he doesn't have any veterans whatsoever, and it is a product to some degree of players leaving and what you call them the program players that – and I thought you did an excellent job, and we're seeing it this year. These are your program players – Selyus and Nixon these guys are seniors and making massive contributions off the bench and I talked to Sellius, uh a week before last and I said hey your role that you got now when you're coming out of high school did you foresee yourself doing this <laughs> and he was honest he said no yeah. you know because you think you're all that right And then you get in there and you see, well, wait a second, this guy's good, this guy's good. I mean, where do I fit in? All of a sudden here, I'm not going to be this first-round draft choice, and I'm not all that. But I can make a valuable contribution, and Larry doesn't have that. Um, uh, What do you think needs to happen? Because Utah at its core, football is huge now, but I still think Utah at its core is a basketball school and they've been so good for so many years going back 50 60 70 years they've been really good and now you know they're gonna they're 6 and 11 in the conference obviously it's just not good
1: well I'll tell you the first thing is that uh, and you'll hear this all the time and and you know fans will say that coaches use it as an excuse or whatever but it's just the truth you need to get old and you need to stay old and that's the difficult thing in college basketball now um, to stay old, I, I will. I will tell you this: that in my experience, thirty-six years uh, of coaching high school, junior college, and Division One basketball, the challenge of taking a uh, a program that's in a tough spot and moving it forward is a lot easier than the challenge of once you've moved it to a level to uh-huh. keep it
0: there. Yeah, okay.
1: It's much more difficult because there's so many. There's just so many personalities and so many moving parts that you have to control. And most of it now is your players and trying to keep your players there. I mean, it used to be that that it was kind of a scarlet letter for a player to transfer. If you had a transfer next to – this guy's got an issue or a problem. We got 900 of these kids transferring now every year. And so it's it's like, okay, if things aren't going right, then the options are – let's go somewhere else and they're going to make it even easier it's going to pass eventually that yeah. kids are going to get one free pass you right, know right, right. gotcha yeah that you get to uh if you're eligible academically eligible and you're in good standing with the school that you can transfer one time and not have to sit out and more kids are going to you're going to try it and and um you know if if, if you look at a lot of the real high end players they've gone to two or three high schools you know and played on two or three different a a u teams and so it's part of the game and so if you're gonna lose your players um after a year or two or three, then you have to find a way to replace them with experienced players and I think that's that's probably uh you know where where Larry and and his staff they've they've got a lot of freshmen, a lot of young guys, uh, and they need to to supplement that that roster with some uh, experienced transfer guys. You look at Coach Pope and just the one, you know, the, the 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 one player in Alex Barcelo, the transfer from Arizona, who had played two years and hadn't played a lot. At Arizona, but had been through a Division One program and a really successful Division One program, and he stepped right in when it was ready to contribute and play starters minutes. And then obviously you get the WAC Player of the Year and Jake, uh, Toulson, and look what that addition has done to that group of guys. I think the same thing can happen at Utah. It's probably um, you need to recruit those high school kids and and, and have them coming in. But uh, and they they have a really good class coming in, but maybe it needs to be supplemented. And I don't know the whole program. I mean, I haven't been, been through it. And but uh, from the outside, it would look like you know uh, maybe the the um, you know the, the the player of the year from the Big West and the player of the year from the Big Sky <laughs> transferring in there might really help that team.
0: <laughs> yeah, because you know they're talking about being young. But then they're talking about this great recruiting class, and okay, so these young guys couldn't get you over the top, but you got this great recruiting class, but now those guys they're gonna be just as young as these guys, so it becomes a perpetual cycle, yeah, and it's how hard. do you get out of it
1: it's hard you got you gotta you gotta get a couple older guys to come, and maybe it's grad you know senior transfers and uh, you, you remember, they had a, a little point guard up there, I think, from Long Beach State they a couple of years yeah, yeah, ago. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, he came in and yeah. really stepped up and, right. and took them to, uh, you know, good places. And so I, I think that uh, uh, they, they're just a player or two, uh, an experienced player or two. And, 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 you know, fans want to know, well, what what does, what does an experienced guy, you know, do that – that maybe a talented guy can't do. Well, just look around the NCAA right now and and where they are, all the teams and the upsets, the top 10 teams that are being beat by unranked teams, they're all teams that are playing with underclassmen, young, yeah. young players. I
0: heard that there was 29, I think, uh, upsets this year of unranked teams beating ranked teams. S-
1: somebody told me,
0: I don't know if this is
1: true, if DJ was here, he could find it in like a second. <laughs> but uh, something like sixty some odd players, over sixty players, put their names in the draft this year and didn't get drafted and didn't go back to college.
0: And Seems you, like a waste. You, you
1: just take that many kids out of programs across the country, and then you look to see you got so you fill them with younger guys, and that's what's happening. Is that? Uh, you know, teams are getting beat at places where they usually don't get yeah, beat. Yeah, and
0: I think that is uh, Arizona's situation. I, I, I think they've – I can't say they made a mistake because these kids are four and five stars, so you recruit them, but they come in as freshmen and then they leave and they're not – good. there may be great pros down the line and they would certainly be great juniors and seniors, but they'll never get there. So, Sean Miller's bringing in these guys. Pace Mannion's kid is one of them, yep. and he's all that. But he's still a freshman, and and he's playing along other freshmen, which compounds the issue, because now you got all these freshmen here, and they're supposed to have these outrageous expectations. And they're having a decent season, but they're not having, oh, man, they're not having, let's be knocking down the door of the Final Four. And it just kind of festers and grows, and it, and it mushrooms – and it becomes they get swallowed up by this stuff, and then they'll leave, and then he'll do it again, and it just seems like that's not the cycle you want to be in.
1: Yep, and, and, and in, in 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 some at some places, it's a cycle you have to be in because to keep your job, you have to sign those kind of players. Right. If you just sign three-star players at Arizona, you're not going to be there very long, you know, and so you have to sign the five-star, the four-star guys. I think, you know, the key... To that whole situation, is those three and a half, four star guys to keep them there, you know, uh, you know, for the the full four years. Yeah, but then years. they lose Marcelo, and and uh, but that's what happens. You bring yeah. a five star guy in, right. And this kid hasn't played a lot the first two years, right. and he thinks this kid's coming over the top, and so it's going to make it more and more difficult and it just seems to me like well i, I know it's, it's it's just a fact that that you you have to have three different kind of pipelines of uh your recruiting, you know, philosophy and one is in uh you know the freshman traditional how you recruiting guys and then you got to you know get these grad transfers and now there's going to be a third one because All transfers are going to get a year, uh, or get one transfer for free, and so you just need to know who, you know, what's available. I think right now you you can go through and find all of the fifth year kids or kids that are going to be fifth year uh, seniors that will have graduated because you can go through and find the red shirts. You can find the kids that have transferred and sat out a year, and you know that whole list of players, and then they'll start to say declare if they're going to leave or not, the part of it that gets a little, you know, uh, dicey is that do, do programs start recruiting those kids before they declare they want to Yeah, that's that they what they I was going to ask you. that work? Because that's illegal.
0: I know, but are you then too late if you're not having some type of informal contact or some form of, I don't know how it works.
1: That's, that's where the, you know, the AAU coaches and all those people who, are associated with the kid, you know, come in contact because, you know, you're you're not supposed to, you know, have any contact with the player or any of the player's representatives or the, the people, but uh, there's there's a lot of conversation that goes on throughout a season.
0: Right. Okay. So then uh, that that has become a necessary evil. You got no choice.
1: I don't. Th- I don't think you can fight it. You know, anymore. I I think it's something that. Uh, is you know it's really been popular in football and especially with quarterbacks in the NCAA.
0: Bouncing around, you know, yeah. when
1: Russell Wilson left, you know, um, wherever he left and went to Wisconsin, N.C. First. State, and yeah, N.C. State, and went yeah. to, and uh, you know, he has an All-American year there, and uh, it, it, it and, and there's so many of these guys that have so much success in maybe a bigger school or a more prestigious school. Um, but there's also a lot of kids that you know that that don't have the senior year that they would have had if they stayed. So, it is a uh, it, it's a a real issue in college basketball, and it's something that everybody's trying to adjust to. But I think in. Uh, in some cases, it can really be a benefit if you get, you know, I I, I remember when Lon Kruger got his kid from Arizona State. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kevin was playing at Arizona State, and I thought that okay, now we're going to play UNLV the next year, and they're going to have a freshman point guard, and bam, they sign Kevin, and you know, they they end up having a senior point guard that's really experienced, and and a freshman point guard that's really really talented, and so uh, they kind of skip that step of of a, of a year where I, right. I thought they might be down a little bit.
0: Do you have a problem with the the free transfer rule?
1: Well, you know, I I, I do think that everybody has a point that coaches can you know take up and they they can leave and I I think there's probably, uh, in my opinion and and my belief that there's probably some uh, common ground there that uh, you could come to. I think it's probably way too um radical to just let everyone transfer one time and it's probably you know way too strict to not let a kid transfer when his coach leaves. You know, there's probably somewhere in that area there should be uh an adjustment made but but I think we're gonna go straight to the fact that all these kids get one time transfer.
0: Alright, we'll close up the show. Stay with us. 97.5, five twelve eighty the zone. All right. Closing up the show with Former BYU coach Dave Rose, still crazy to see it. I've accepted it, but it was hard, man. You were there for so long to uh, to think of you. I'm seeing mortality in my face when I look at you. Like, wait a second, you're not coaching anymore. I mean, uh, you know, it took a while for Jerry, the Jerry Sloan thing too. When somebody's been there that long,
1: well, it was it was a fun it was fun it was a great run and. Um, you know, I I have a, another cancer scan in April because I have them every six months, right? And uh, I I got a pretty good feeling that this April scan, my April scans were always when my numbers were really skewed. My April scans probably won't be a lot better this year than they <laughs> <laughs> So
0: you know, you're you're 62, and we saw Beeline get in at 66. Uh, you think you're done?
1: Well, I I, I do. I I think that. Uh, you know, as far as being a head coach is right. concerned, I've talked about, uh, you know, friends of mine maybe asking me to come help and be on their staff in a special assistance role or something. That um, And, you know, I, I think that yeah, uh, that's probably far-fetched, but uh, I, I'd love to be in the gym. I'd, I'd love to, you know, maybe get uh, some type of... You know radio or TV gig and and be able to stay with college basketball because I love it, and it's been fun. And I really I, I miss it. I miss a, I miss the game day and uh, and hopefully I can find a way to recreate that a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's what I find. You know, I was the beat guy for so many years, and i I just got so sick of the travel after one the dead time and the downtime and whatnot. But I always enjoyed walking into the gym. On game night, getting there about 90 minutes before and the excitement of the games and the competition of the games and sitting there on press row and being so involved in it. And it was just a lot of fun. I still miss that. I mean, I go to a lot of games, but I'm not the day to day guy like I was. And I miss I'm grateful for this job. It's a much better job. <laughs> I mean, that's, I'm not kidding myself. But when the adrenaline, I even got it a little bit, especially if it's a
1: huge game. Well, absolutely. I mean, and you, that's why it's so popular, and that's yeah. that's why people will come here and sit you know, on the the very top row because what you feel in the arena in a game, I can remember this like it was yesterday. I was a kid growing up in Houston, and the Astros were in the World Series and playing in the Astrodome. And I got a ticket, and it was the worst seat in the place. <laughs> <laughs> but if we were playing the Philadelphia uh, – who are those guys? Phillies. Philadelphia yeah. Phillies. Yeah, I remember that series. And, it was uh, epic. We had like uh, 16 on, inning games or something? F- unbelievable. Yeah. And the worst seat in the house. And the way I felt coming out of there, it says I, I'm going uh, you know, I'm going to go to the arena whenever I can to watch a game because there's nothing like it. There's nothing. And at least and it doesn't affect everybody that way. It's kind of like going to Broadway plays with some people. You go to the Broadway play and they come out of there and they want to go to every play the rest of the yeah. that, that you're there because they just had some experience while they were there. That's what happened to me when I come into the arena. I just love it.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And then particularly this month for me, I always enjoyed my most favorite of all the things. My most favorite was going to Vegas and being there for the Mountain West slash WAC tournament. Even the women I enjoyed. I know you, you had to watch your daughter played, but I enjoyed yeah. the women yeah. playing because everybody was diving. There was nothing left in the tank. Once you got in that one-and-done situation, and I can remember walking up the tunnel in Thomas and Mac and there you were because you were there as a coach and you were there as a dad yeah. and so you had to do both roles and I can remember walking up because we would cover the women's games and I, was, I came out of the tunnel and there you are your daughter was in your arms yeah. and they must have lost and yeah,
1: they they won one, but they did lose. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and so you had to, be, and you were always sitting in the front yeah. row. You'd see over there. Yeah. So you you were when you were in Vegas. I mean, you were you had no time to sleep because you were coaching and dadding, so to speak. <laughs> and I always enjoyed it. I always thought it was so much fun and now we're going to be down there. I'm leaving uh, this weekend. You're going ahead of time. Tell the people what you were doing. You mentioned it earlier but you're going to be involved in some broadcasting.
1: Yeah, I'm going to do color for the radio, Mountain West Conference radio tomorrow uh, for the three men's games um, and then on Thursday uh, I've got the late game Portland and Santa Clara uh, on uh, uh, the television game with Roxy Bernstein uh, and then I got the winner of that game the next night against Pepperdine. So, um, I'm, I'm excited to, to kind of get into that and see how it feels and, uh, you know, hopefully make uh, some inroads and maybe get you know, a few games next year.
0: And then the year after that, pretty much uh, scoot over Jay Billis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I think those guys are safe. <laughs> yeah, I think they're safe. I think what I really like to do is call uh, Major League Baseball. I'd like to be the color guy for Major League, <laughs> League Baseball. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Okay, well, you can uh, tell some stories. I might there. be a
1: little bit optimistic. I played junior college baseball. I know you did. I played at Dixie, so, yeah. you know, maybe. Didn't
0: the, you, you have an opportunity? Was it the story you, you were considering maybe professional baseball?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, actually had some scouts call me um, after my freshman year at Dixie and I'd put my paper, my mission papers in and they asked me if, if I was drafted in that June draft if I would go play single A or whatever and uh, I was scheduled to leave in July and so I, I told them it'd be a little bit tough um, and I had a, quite a few coaches tell me that I Probably ought to defer my mission and see how this single-A thing works. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, I ended up going to Manchester, England for a couple of years. Got to be a – uh, Manchester United fan and that's kind of carried me through for a while and and then you came back came did back. you did you play ball when you came yeah, back Yeah I came back played at Dixie and I was actually going to play at Houston after the NCAA tournament but we played Villanova in Charlotte and in that game I hurt really hurt my knee and ended up having knee surgery and missed the whole next year but that was the end of my baseball career Oh okay And And then I came back and played the following year, my senior year, when when we played for the national championship. Yeah,
0: there you go. Well, you're off to Vegas now, and uh, we'll check you out. I'm I'm going to see your uh, radio work, and uh, maybe I'll see you down in Vegas. And thanks for coming in. All right, well, thanks for having me.